0: Thank you so much. It's good to be with you this morning. We've enjoyed a week here, or a few days at least, and uh, I've been looking forward to meeting with you this morning. We're looking forward to celebration next weekend as well, where we'll be gathering, I think, with four or five churches. I trust we'll have a great time together. Beautiful part of the world you live in. You're very privileged, green and wooded and beautiful. It's lovely to be here. Uh, I'm going to speak to you from Jonah, okay? So um, I don't know if you want to turn it up, but... uh, it's not the easiest book to find, but it's tucked in there. Jonah, all right, I'm going to read the first chapter with you. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below, into the hold of the ship, laid down, and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it you're sleeping? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us, so that we'll not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come on, let's cast lots, that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They said to him, Tell us now, On whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the men became extremely frightened. And they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you? That the sea may become calm for us, for the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. The, however, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they couldn't, for the sea was becoming stormier against them. And they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life. and Don't put your innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the joy of singing your praise. Lord, we love to sing what a wonderful name, the name of Jesus, this wonderful, unique name that's rescued us. And Father, we ask you right now for the help of the Holy Spirit Lord, we might hear your voice together. We thank you for this privilege that we're your children. We can hear your voice. So come, Holy Spirit. Please rest upon us. Let us know your prompting. Please let us hear your voice. Bring us more and more into your purposes, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a strange prophet. And uh, whereas you might find in Isaiah, chapters and chapters of prophesying, with Jonah, there's only eight words of prophecy in the whole book. In fact, the story is really the prophetic word. And it's, of course, a very strange story. I mean, do we believe it? Can we believe it happened? I mean, a storm, a great fish that swallows somebody up, a city that repents. I mean, how about this? Is this a parable? Is it a real story? What's interesting that Jesus quotes Jonah, like he quotes the Queen of Sheba, as if to say, "Yeah, he's a real guy; it really happened. It's solid history." In fact, it's interesting to notice in Second Kings, you'll find that he's referred to by name uh, in verse uh, chapter 14 and verse 25. It says uh, that the king restored the border from Israel, and uh, it spoke about an ex- expanse, uh, even as servant Jonah the son of Amittai the prophet had prophesied so he was a known prophet and lived at a time of financial economic success progress expansion in fact he, and any kind of prophesied it would happen and it happened so it's a comfortable life for him uh, we know that the king of that time was an ungodly man if we read the whole story which we can't and uh, And yet, this 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 prophet's got a comfortable life. He's prophesying, blessing, success, and it happens. um, And the king's not honouring God. And Jonah seems to have an easy time, really. And he's about to get the shock of his life, really, uh, because he's a very comfortable prophet. Uh, He can do his job, and he's not stirring anybody's feathers. And life is easy. And something, you know, what is a prophet? Sometimes people say a a prophet, you know, like. uh, Uh, Winston Churchill, people say Winston Churchill was a prophet, Uh, or Nelson Mandela, or Abraham Lincoln. There's these characters in history that kind of stand against the tide, often they have other voices against them, and yet they seem to stand, they're very noble people, they seem to see further than others could see. But actually, they're not Bible prophets. Churchill said he's a student of history. He said the further you look back into history, the more you can see into the future. So he kind of looked and saw, Uh, and just normal way of appraising things. Yeah, good values, certainly, Uh, but not a Bible prophet, although they're sometimes called prophets, these guys. Mandela was an amazing man. I read a biography of Lincoln recently. Amazing, amazing guy. Standing against the tide, noble, clear, strong, and so they get called prophets. Why? Well, because often Bible prophets are like that. They kind of stand against the tide. But Jonah, no, no, Jonah's a very comfortable guy. And yet he's a real prophet. Why do I know that? Because it says this, the word of the Lord came to him. That's a Bible prophet. A Bible prophet isn't a guy who can see things and assess them in his own wisdom. Uh, A Bible prophet is someone that God speaks to. The word of the Lord came to him. And to be honest, now that we're Christians, It says this, at least I'm assuming here we're all Christians, who knows, I don't know really. But when we are a Christian, the Bible says that each one shall hear him, each one shall know him, from the least to the greatest, my sheep hear my voice. And so we have this capacity to hear God, that God can speak to us. And the whole church really is a kind of prophetic community, it hears from God together. We we keep hearing God. It's a massive privilege that we live in a world of blind people who don't know what the world's all about, and we hear God. We hear from God. We know God. He speaks to us. So we can line up with this guy, and uh, here God begins to speak to him and says, now arise and go to Nineveh. Well, you know that uh, the next verse is, but Jonah. But Jonah arose and went a different way, and uh, very, very different to what you see with other prophets. You find that uh, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And God God said to Elijah, now go and do this. And the next verse says, and Elijah arose and went and did it. Go and face Ahab, he arose and did it. Go uh, into the desert, he arose and did it. Here it says, go and do this, he arose and went the other way. This is a, a, a renegade prophet, a guy who doesn't want to line up with God's purpose. His contrast, in great contrast, and he was unlike many other prophets, because his word was, go and tell, never, but unless they repent, they're going to be judged. And this guy's got no sensitivity to God at all. You find that when, when Jeremiah had to give words of warning, it said he wept and pleaded. You find when God spoke to Abraham about judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham praised to God. And so... There's no kind of sensitivity to God. He's a prophet. He's become a bit of a professional. Life's comfortable. What he said happened. No one's troubling him. And suddenly this word doesn't kind of fit with what he wants to do. And we can find lives like that. God speaks to us and it doesn't, it's not exactly what we wanted. You know, all kinds of stuff in our lives is like, why are you going out with that girl who's not a Christian? I don't want to hear that. God speaks to us. Are you giving properly to the church? I don't want to hear that. Are you honouring your husband submitting to him? I don't want to hear that. Are you loving your wife and laying down your life? I don't want to hear that. Words come to us all the time, some of which we don't really want to hear. We really don't want to hear them. We don't want to do them. And we say, yeah, well, I'm a believer. I love the Lord Jesus. But mm, what the word of the Lord comes to us. And we don't always say, yes, of course, Lord. Straight away, Lord. You're, I want to build my life on your word. The man who hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a man who builds his house on a rock. But some of these sayings of his they are very uncomfortable. And we don't necessarily want to do them. We find that happened with Simon Peter when, when Jesus said, Let's go up to Jerusalem. And Peter said, That's a dangerous place to go. What are you doing? You know, you you could be in danger there. And so although he said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God, he said, no, don't go to Jerusalem. That's very dangerous. And Jesus has to say to him, get behind me, Satan. So we can believe things and know things, but we don't always like every word that is spoken to us. And so this guy doesn't really want to do God's will. And the story starts here, really. He says, no, effectively, I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. And, and it's an amazing story of grace, the story of Jonah. Because the next line is not, Goodbye, Jonah. Amos, come and do this for me. You know, it's wonderful, isn't it? I'm so grateful to God that when I first got saved, I was terribly disobedient, backslid, and I was an absolute mess. I can't thank God enough. He didn't say, Goodbye, Terry. If that's what you want, push off. God, incredibly merciful. And kind, and you're going to find Jonah is wonderfully restored, but he has to learn a lesson. If we're going to be children of God and want to hear his voice, then the response is key to the way we go forward. And it says, uh, so he went off to do what he wanted to do. And it says this, Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. It's a strange thing to say, isn't it? Because elsewhere in the Psalms it says, where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're there. You know, if I'm in the wrong bed, you know about it. I can't flee from you. It's like, I, you know, I know I shouldn't be here, but I can't flee from your presence. How can, how can I say you've fled from the presence of the Lord then? Well, the word presence is a, a big word really, and the Hebrew word for presence, actually it means "face. And for a prophet, he needs to be kind of face to face with God. That otherwise prophetic ministry doesn't really happen. You remember Abraham I mean, not Elijah rather? when Elijah confronted King Ahab, he said, "The God before whom I stand." You know there's the king, this is this guy. He's approaching the king. He said, "It won't rain till I say so." He said, who do you think you are? He said, the God before whom I stand. That's what gave him authority. That's what a prophet is. It's like when Moses came to Pharaoh and said, thus says the Lord, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? Push off. And so he goes back to the Lord. Hey, he told me to go away. What do I do now? And God says, go back again. And you look at the story of Pharaoh... And Moses, and he resisted, resisted. And Moses doesn't say, well, well, this is a waste of time. Then What am I bothering? He goes back to God, because he's a true prophet. True prophets go back to God. They don't despair. They don't give up. They go back to God. And so Moses goes back to God. What do I do now? This, this. And the story is fascinating. In Exodus, it's like Moses gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and Pharaoh gets smaller and smaller and smaller because this man keeps going back into the presence of the Lord. Beloved, that should be the mark of the church. And that's what the world's waiting to see, a church that looks like it's coming from the presence of the Lord. Because we live in a day when the world is saying, oh, change your message. We've got different ideas. Our culture is going crazy. And they want the church to kind of imitate it, go along with it. And the more we go along with it, the less significant we are the more we keep going back into the presence of the Lord. Well, what is it? What is it? What are you saying? But you're out of step with the culture. Yeah, of course we are, with the salt of the earth. If the salt's lost its taver, it's a waste of time. So the church will be distinctive. It will be different, and in our generation, increasingly out of step, increasingly awkward, because no, we don't go with that. To the church, hey, it's beginning to look a bit like it was at the beginning when the church was born. When I was led to Christ, my sister said to me, I've become a Christian. My answer was, aren't we all Christians? That's my honest answer. I thought, I live in England. I'm a Christian, aren't I? I didn't know anything about the gospel. I'd never heard the gospel. My parents were not Christians. She said, I've become a Christian. I said, we're all Christians. You wouldn't say that today. If you're a Christian today, you're different. If you're a Christian, you've got different views. If you're a Christian, some of those views are very unpopular today. Like it was at the beginning. Like they killed Christians at the beginning. We've got to understand that prophets go back to the face of God and say, Lord, what do you want? The psalmist said, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I might be in the presence. Behold the beauty of the Lord. That's our calling to know him. So wonderful to come into church this morning and have the worshippers lead us. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful name. I know the name of Jesus. I'm massively privileged. He's rescued my life from terrible debauchery that I was in. Horrible lifestyle I was living. It saved me forever. We need all eternity to sing these thousands of hallelujahs. I've never seen those songs before. New songs to me, but amen. We belong to him forever. He's changed everything for us. So we're not going to just... Uh, adjust. We're going to be awkward sometimes because now we keep going back into the presence of the Lord. But this guy, who's called a prophet, and although the word of the world came to him, he said no thanks. Effectively, no presence, no ministry. That's true for the prophet. And in as much as we're a prophetic community, it's true for you and me. No presence, no sense of being in his presence. No face-to-face fellowship. We don't look very authentic. They may think, oh, they do good as they go to church, but they don't look prophetic. Pre- you need presence to be prophetic. We need to be in his presence, face to face, being changed by him, being amazed by him, being dealt with by him, receiving the words he tells us, doing what he tells us to do. But this guy, no, he he fled from the presence of the Lord. And you don't have to go a long way away to do that. The prodigal's brother didn't go anywhere. The prodigal's son went way off. Way, way, way. But the prodigal's brother stayed at home. But he didn't know the presence of his father. You see, you can stay at home and say, I never went to the far country, but not necessarily knowing the presence of the father. So this is a high privilege of ours, to know the presence of God to enjoy that on a daily basis, being his face, being his presence. Let let his word get into your face, speaking to us, dealing with us, changing us, beholding his beauty. So first of all, he fled from the presence of the Lord. What a terrible thing for a prophet. It's the end, really, of ministry. The second, second thing is this, he found a ship. Fascinating, eh? He wants to go to Tarshish. You know, God says go this way. No, I think I'll go that way. And he goes down to the harbour. And what do you know? There's a ship going to Tarshish. It must be God. Just well, there it is. I wanted to go that way. There it was. I've been a pastor for so long. The number of stories I've heard of people who wrecked their lives. You know, a married guy who says, "Well, I was just thrown with this woman. We just we found one another." But what about you? I know, but we found one another. We just were, you know, we were just thrown together. It just happened. Now, a number of times you hear that, you think, "What are you talking about?" Jonah thinks, "I'll go here," and there's a ship going there. Well, <laughs> it's obviously God, isn't it? When you set, turn your back on God, you are very vulnerable to regard anything as guidance. Well, this is what happened. So obviously it's God. We talk about God guiding and, well, look, there's a ship going there. That's where I'm going. And (laughs) there it is. And you hear such sad stories from people. Well, we were kind of thrown together. And, you know, my wife and I, we were having a tough patch. And this, she was so affectionate. And, well, you know, you think, what are we talking about? It's so sad when that happens. He found a ship. We just went that way. God must have been in it. No, God wasn't in it at all. He just found a way. Turned from God, and he found another route. And the next thing you see is he fell asleep. He fell asleep. He got into this ship, and he fell asleep. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to sleep. With jet lag, I'd like a bit more sleep. (laughs) Very comfortable. I appreciate it. We find Jesus fell asleep in a storm. Jesus is exhausted. There's nothing wrong with sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. But this is a kind of a different sleep. This is a sleep of who cares. It's a sleep of opting out. A kind of well, I'm not really. I'm not involved anymore. And so he got on the ship and. He, you know, he's a prophet. He's prophesied that there'll be extension, and it comes, and he, you know, he's fulfilling that ministry, and then he gets careless. He gets careless. He had brought the word of the Lord to them. The nation will be extended. Yes, it happened. Wow. And then he's got careless, and now go and do this. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'll go away from your presence. Prophet, out oh, of the presence of God. What do I do? Well, there's a ship. Wow. Well, but then what? I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You can, ju- you can get like that as a believer. You know, where do you get your kicks? Well, sport, television. What, what really turns us on? What really excites us? When we think in this book, how the Gospel just captivated people. When Jesus said to his disciples, he says, you going away, they say, where, where where else would we go? You've got the words of eternal life. Some of us, mm, oh well, you know, we would be in the meetings and stuff, but are we awake? And that's what happened here. This guy fell asleep. There's a lethargy, an aimlessness, a boredom, a dejection which can lead to depression. You know, Pastor, would you pray for me? I feel depressed. What led to that? Sometimes it's like a non-engagement. Unaware that we're prophetic. Unaware that we're the light of the world. Unaware that we're the salt of the earth. Kind of switching off. And every, every one of us needs joy. Every one of us needs something to turn the light on in our hearts. But Jesus doesn't do that for us anymore. And gradually we drift away. So, yeah, he, he fell asleep. Do you know, see, it's even possible to be very busy to be in, but still be inwardly asleep. You can be a very busy person, very demanding job, but in your soul you've kinda of gone asleep. So it's not so much about activity, it's about an inner thing. Where am I finding fulfillment? When we were singing earlier, There's no equal. You've got no equal. Did your heart leap? You have no rival. That's right. What do you think? He has no rival. That sort of thing, beloved, should just stir our hearts. We know the king of glory. We know the guy who's running the whole universe. We know the one who's going to wrap it all up. The one who's stretching out the ages and say, come share with me in eternal glory. And these things are meant to stir and stimulate and excite and motivate. And so poor old Jonah, he just fell asleep. He's bored. Are you bored? Or we've just found a new rival to him. What a wonderful name. And so Jonah tragically missed the point as a prophet. It's like, do you think, we're going to have a prayer meeting? Well, I don't think have time for that. There's a small life group. I can't I've got this. It can happen. It can happen. Or we don't bother. Then the next thing we see is that, tragically, he kind of fails the world in a storm. The whole ship hits a storm. And he's quite unprepared. You see, things happen, don't they? And storms suddenly hit us that we weren't ready for. And the whole world's in the storm. The whole ship is in the storm. And and we can find that. We can find that in our world. We're finding it certainly, we're feeling it in Europe at the moment, the the sudden Ukraine war, suddenly COVID, suddenly, hey, what is going on? The whole world's shaking up. And you get people saying, well, our kids are getting into drugs. It's terrible. And sometimes, you notice this, sometimes it's almost like the world cares more than the church does. You'll find the world getting organizations about fighting the drug thing. Maybe the church could help us. But you feel they seem to care more about it than we do. And that's what happened to Jonah. He's, he's asleep. And the, the world's in chaos. The boats hit a storm. We've hit such a storm with COVID. Wow. That, we never dreamed such a thing would happen. They, they, when I have heard they, they locked down Wuhan in China, I thought, how do you lock down a town? You can't do that. Then they locked down England. Wow, what is hitting us? You're not allowed out of the house except go for a little walk or necessary shopping. And a friend of mine who lives in Mumbai in India, he sent me a photo of Mumbai and I couldn't believe it. The streets were exa- absolutely empty. I mean, I've been to Mumbai many times. You can't move for people and animals and everything. And they were empty. I said, wow, What is going on? The walls turned upside down. We hit a storm. And where's the church? Well, I'm a bit sleepy. And, and, and you find here the others are saying, the others are saying, hey, call on your God. They're calling on their gods. And sometimes when the world hits chaos, you know, the Ukraine war, and it's cutting off the this and that, and we can't get the parts, and we can't... And, Everything's getting ensnared and, and we've got inflation now. We've never had inflation. We didn't pay this much for gas for years. What are we talking about? The gas prices are going up, the grain prices are going up. When's it going to end? We don't know. So they start calling on their gods. And Jonah's asleep. And they say to Jonah, why don't you call on your God? And you got? Do you know a God? We know. You know. We're crying for our gods. Don't seem to do much for us. A you know, crisis is a wonderful opportunity for the true God to be known, for the true God to be seen, and for us in the supermarket line when people are saying, "What's happening? What's happening?" For not us to answer and say, yeah, "Who knows?" But to begin to speak, begin to share funny, in the UK recently, I've seen it on my phone since I've been over here, there's a rather well-known commentator He used to be a Member of Parliament, now he writes in the Times newspaper, and uh, that's the big newspaper in England. We don't have town newspapers, we have national newspapers, such as the Times, and it goes right across the country, it's probably the best-known newspaper, and he he writes in it regularly. And this, just a few days ago, he he put in there, he was just giving a speech in, the, in his party conference and um, uh, he said, I was just walking home late at night. He said it was after midnight. and He's walking past the Bank of England. He lives in the heart of London. And uh, he said, as I'm walking by, he says, I've just received 1,000 pounds for doing this speech. I mean, this is an article in the paper. This guy is an atheist. He's a very well-known atheist. He said, I'm walking along, and he said, a guy cycles up by him and he's delivering pizzas. And he said he's probably earning 14 pounds a week a a night or whatever 14 pounds an hour i guess probably sorry 14 pounds an hour and uh, he said he stopped by and he said aren't you matthew paris which is the guy's name he said yes i am he said do you believe in jesus so matthew paris said well i believe there was such a person he's the son of god well he was misinformed wasn't he and uh uh And he just has a little conversation with him, and uh, he said, "Well, you may think that, but he is the king, and he loves you." And and Matthew Parrish, in this article said, "I went on my way, strangely moved." And this is a conversation at midnight with a guy on a bicycle, and it's such a fascinating little article. This fellow who is—I mean—he's political commentator; he's a big name. He's walking home. He's just pocketed a 1,000 pounds, thank you very much. And, he just, and it's registered with him, this little guy, delivering pizza. I said, do you believe in Jesus? He still loves you anyway. And he said to him, I'll pray for you. And the last line in that article is, I went on my way, strangely moved. <laughs> I thought, how amazing that at midnight, this little guy tells us, oh, you're Matthew Parris. Tells him about Jesus, and the next day it's in the Times of London. And I've seen it on Twitter from friends in England who've seen this article. Have, Have you seen this? Have you seen this? It's all over the place now. But this little guy said, Do you know Jesus? Wow. That's a, that's a guy living with Jesus. He's living with Jesus. And he doesn't think, Wow, it's Matthew Parish." It's Matthew Parrish. Do you know Jesus? Wow. What a lively guy. What a testimony. So exciting, isn't it? I, I, I met a guy recently. He's a, he's a Church of England vicar. I've only recently met him. He's a, he's a live wire. He said he was in a, a shop recently in a store. And there was a megaphone on, on the counter. And he said to the lady behind the counter, may I use that? And she said, mm, if you like, I suppose. So he took the megaphone and spoke into the store. And said, it's been tough through COVID, hasn't it? Uh, have you ever heard of Alpha? You might like to try Alpha. And just so you can find about it. and Tell you about Jesus, how he can meet your needs. And it just spoke to the shop. And he put it down and he said, the woman next to him said, all you priests are pedophiles. So he said, oh, ouch. But the woman behind the counter, he said, before I left the place, I had led her to Jesus wonderful. (laughs) So wonderful. This priest who wears a clerical collar. He's on his toes. He's not irrelevant to the chaos that's out there. He's got an answer. This prophet had no answer at all. He's irrelevant. If the source lost its savour, it's good for nothing. It might as well be trodden underfoot. Because we don't know when the storm's going to hit. And the, the, the society is in a massive storm, politically, economically, in terms of health. We've hit storms. Boy, have we hit storms. Since I've been over here, we've lost our prime minister. Storm all over. Who's going to be the next? We haven't the clue who's going to be the next prime minister. It's time the church was prophetic. As an answer. But Jonah, he's irrelevant. He's God's prophet, he's irrelevant. And the others have to ask him, what is it with you? Why aren't you calling on your God? We're trying calling on our God. We're not getting much joy. But you know, why don't you call on your God? And, and then they begin to say, anyway, who are you? And I think it's wonderful what happens then because he kind of owns up to who he is. He said, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. See, that is the the truth about him. Beloved, if you know Christ, underneath there's this reality, I know the Lord. And he uses this language, I fear the Lord, which is like, he's not really fearing God, he's going into his own life. But the bottom line is, I I do love the Lord. I do fear the Lord. That happened to me. I was, a, I was a Christian, but I was living a double life. Terrible double life. So I was in church on Sunday, but I was doing all kinds of wild stuff the rest of the time. I did that for a few years. And I often felt convicted, I shouldn't be doing this, but I did it. And then one Sunday I'm in church. And the preacher that I preached, you did run well. Who's hindered you that you're no longer obeying the truth? And I felt God spoke to me and said to me, I want your life. I want it now. And I felt he said this, I won't speak to you about this again. And that scared the life out of me. Because I thought, I know it's true. I know, I know, I know I'm a Christian. I know this is the truth. I know this is the truth about what the world's all about. I know I've got the truth. But I'm living totally different." And I felt, when I felt God said, I won't, say, I won't speak to you about this again. I thought, if God doesn't speak to me again, where will I finish up? Because I know the way I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm up to. I know what will bring me. If, if, if I, I thought I can fiddle about between... And God said, I felt God said to me, I won't, I won't speak again. I thought, wow, if he doesn't speak again, I'm in trouble. And so I pulled myself right out of that world and gave myself to God wholeheartedly instead of this double thing. It's like I, I found myself. It's like I came to myself. That's what happened to Jonah. He kind of found himself. Who are you? What are you? I'm a Hebrew. Well, what's, what's, well come on then. What's the story? It's like the prodigal son. You get that line in the story of the prodigal son where it says he came to himself. Praise God for moments when that happens. You come to yourself, you think, what am I doing with my life? I'm supposed to be a child of God. What am I doing? And and that becomes an amazing, wonderful moment. And he realizes actually, he's the kind of almost the reason for the storm. He has more insight than the meteorological office. <laughs> he says, yeah, no, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm the centre of this thing. And it's amazing how God's got his finger on this man. And that's, a, that's the story of Jonah, really. That God doesn't give up on people. Thank you, Lord. He, he doesn't say, oh, okay, Jonah, push off. Amos, come and do this job for me. We're not just workhorses. We're his beloved children. He wants the best for us. He wants to see us through. The story of Jonah is God sees him through. What what shall I do? Then get this amazing thing. He says, throw me into the sea. Now we know for us, Jesus said in the New Testament, one greater than Jonah is here. That's a statement of Jesus. One greater than Jonah is here. How, how, how did we escape? How did I escape? Well, one greater than Jonah was hurled into the storm. We're told God spared not his own son, but gave him over for us all. And if you read, if you read Jonah 2, which we won't do at the moment, Jonah's prayer as he goes down and goes down, you read that through the lips of Jesus. I went down. The billows went over me. I sank deep. That's Jesus. Beloved, we go free because someone else was thrown in the storm. All my guilt, all my shame, all my utter failure, my unwillingness to go his way, Jesus took it all. What a saviour. What a wonderful name. He took all my shame. He took all my unwillingness to go his way throw me in. Now Jesus said, no, I'll stand in your place. He got thrown right into the storm. The father spared not his own son, but gave him over. He went into the storm. And when he went into the storm, there was immediate peace. One greater than Jonah. Hallelujah. We know someone who threw himself into the storm for us. We know a father who looked upon us and said, I give my son to take away your shame, take away your guilt, to give you a new start, to welcome you back into my presence, to deal with it. And if we had time to look right through Jonah, which we don't, we'll see this. The word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. You see, it wasn't, okay, Jonah, forget it then. Okay, you messed up. Um, Do this instead. I gave you a message, but you're not going to do that. Do this, you know, grace, just do this. No, the same word came to him. That's the wonder. It's not that you get relegated. It's, oh, I had this great purpose for your life, but you messed it up so badly. You better do this instead. You can sweep the street for me. No, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The calling that Jonah had is fully restored to him. It's like the prodigal son. He goes back, he gets his shoes on. He gets the ring back on his finger. There's a celebration. You are fully reinstated as a son. It's not like, well, you can sit outside. You know, you really let me down. That's a terrific celebration. Complete restoration. That's the wonder of the gospel. Complete restoration. The word of the Lord came to him, the same word, go to Nineveh. It's not like, okay. But you see, God, God, and real repentance is is coming back to that word. Because the last word is this Jonah went according to the word of the Lord. See, God, God says, I'm the Lord, I don't change. So I guess it's us who's got to change. I think it was Bob Mumford who said, God said to him one day, We're incompatible, and I don't change. You know, we've got to change. And so, yeah, okay, I'll go go according to your word now then. The same word, not not a lesser word, fully restored to God's purpose, and then going according to... All right, Lord, we'll do it your way. We'll go your way. I want to be a true prophet. I want to keep hearing your voice. I want to fulfill my destiny. I don't want to be asleep while the world goes through chaos. I want to count for you. I want to be part of something you're doing in the nations. I want to see churches planted. I want to see people saved. I want to see the kingdom grow. I want to be part of that. The biggest thing that's happening on planet Earth today, I want to be part of it. I don't want to be nominal. I want to be part of it. And that's what happened to this guy. He's thoroughly restored and goes according to the word of the Lord. I just want to pray that God will bless us this morning, that we might be a people who say, yes, I, I want to hear your voice. I want to do your will. I don't want to fall asleep. I don't want to miss the point. I don't want to be in, but not in. I want to be in thoroughly. I want to fulfill your kingdom plan. Amen? Amen? Shall we stand to pray? Maybe, the, that's right, The musicians can come up. That would be great. Lord Jesus, we just look to you right now. We do pray, Father, that you will win our hearts in a way that excites us, in a way that thrills us to find ourselves doing your will together. I want to pray your blessing on your church here, blessing on every individual, every family. Father, we might find ourselves captivated. Captivated, aware that someone else was thrown into such a terrible storm that we might go free. Lord, please bless this word to us and help us, Lord, to respond with all our hearts to give our lives unreservedly to you so that, Lord, you will be glorified. I do ask you, Lord, as uh, next week we come up to the celebration together, we might or just feel ourselves captivated into your full program. Please don't let us sleep in the midst of all the storms around. Bless your word to us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.